If you are an estate agent, letting agent, or you're interested in the UK property market, then welcome to the UK Property Market Stat Show. Today, I'm joined by Richard Durrant, who is big in the game when it comes to property, working for the Relocation Agency Network, which is a group of uh, an affiliate group of estate agents covering over over well quite a big chunk of the of the of the UK property market with all its members. Thanks for joining me today, Richard. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me on. Looking forward no to it. No worries. Um, the purpose of this show, boys and girls, is to look at what is happening in the UK property market. I know I said it last week, but I will say it again this week. The vast majority of the statistics in the UK property market talk about when the property has not only sold, but what we call completed when the keys are handed over. So the land registry data and all the other data that you look at is looking at properties that are that uh, the, the data that's coming out now is looking at sales that were agreed in the summer because the property was sold in the summer and then the solicitors would have got involved and then the average length of time is probably taking about 120 days at the moment to get a sale from when the office accepted through to completion then it goes to the land registry we then have a couple of months wait for the figures to be published the purpose of this show is is that we're actually looking at the top end of the funnel because by looking at the top end of the funnel the houses that are coming on the market those that are selling and not selling and those that do actually sell with the price reductions as well, we can get an idea of exactly what's happening in the market six or eight months before what is being released on the land registry data. So if you want to know what's happening in the property market, then this show is for you. Well, Richard, shall we crack on with the stats like we always do, mate? And let's yeah. go and have a look at what's happening in the world of the UK property market. Chris, now, I think but... this one's going to be quite interesting because I think this week is a week we went into lockdown. It, uh, it, is, it, is, it is, and you'll see some of that in the data, okay? Yeah. Right then. So we always start with new listings, okay? This is important boys and girls in a state and letting agency land because the more properties that are coming on the market then and if they're not selling we have a, a too much supply and supply and that's what happens to prices when supply is high and demand is low prices will go drop because that's normal economics in 21 and 22 it was the other way around when there weren't enough houses coming on the market for the demand so prices went up so this is a first indicator of exactly what's happening in the property market and this is a week, standalone week, and this is week 12. Now, this week 12 this week is March the 20th all the way through to Sunday the 26th of March. That is week 12 for 2023. And we are comparing week 12 in 23 compared to the other years. Well, like the last few weeks, Richard, that looks quite boring, mate. Very boring. I think if you removed, when I looked at the numbers earlier, if you removed 2020 for obvious reasons, we went into lockdown. If you removed 2021, because I think we'll all agree that was an abnormal year. Actually, I think the average is 34,500 and we're at 33,9. So very, very consistent, isn't it? I tell you what, boys and girls, it's such a pleasure to have, be on with a fellow data geek. <laughs> I love it. Nice one, mate. Let's move on and look at the price of properties that are coming onto the market. 
And this week, the average price of a property that's come onto the market is 424,835. To give you an idea of the average, the average in the last month has been 425,698. And the average since the start of the year has been a pretty consistent 420,685. I find it fascinating that there's hardly much movement up and down in those figures. But what are your thoughts on this week, this week's figures? I think speaking to lots of agents, what seems apparent is actually the cost of living crisis is impacting possibly a different demographic from what we all believed it would be. And speaking to a lot of agents, the instructions are coming from retirees who are possibly living in the larger houses and actually the mortgage and the bills are becoming an issue. And therefore what they're doing is they're downsizing. Um, what seems apparent is whilst they're downsizing in the size of the property, they're not necessarily downsizing on price. Um, so that number is remaining high because they're buying a bungalow, which obviously will have a premium. Um, but it seems apparent that people are downsizing. Fascinating. Let's move on and look at the accumulative listings year to date. So this was a new graph that came in about a month ago. It's still very important, good looking at our individual week. Let us set that. So this is this data here is from the 1st of Jan of each year, how many properties had come onto the market up until this point? But again, there's not a huge difference there, is there? There's not, there's not a huge difference. I think we'd also say, actually, if you ask most agents, the last six years have been fairly kind to us, transaction-wise, revenue generated. So actually, you know, if you look at this, it feels like year-to-date we've been in fairly good shape. Interestingly, if we then move on and look at the week-by-week -week figures for listings, and we compare those. Now, I've compared these with 17, 18, and 19. And the reason I've done 17, 18, and 19 is 2020 was obviously the COVID years and lockdown. So there was no point in me using 20 because obviously everything fell off the face of the earth. I know she came back in the summer. Um, but also 21 and 22 were exceptional years and, you know, not, not normal years. So I wanted to compare them with more normal years. And I think, again, this is just mid of the road stuff, isn't it? Chris, what I like what I like about this is actually you're comparing apples with apples. And when you do compare apples with apples and you remove the anomalies like 2020-21, it's really hard to paint a bad picture. Let's now move. Thank you for saying it. Let's move on and now talk about price changes. Now, price changes are important. We as estate agents, we will go out to value the property and they will the, the owner will sit down, you'll sit down with the owner and discuss. Now, there are some estate agents in this country who will what we call overvalue. What, what that means is, is that they will give you an inflated figure to put your house on the market because they'll sign you up for a quite a long sole agency agreement and then try and work you down. The problem with that is, is that if, of course, is that if the property remains on the market eight weeks before you drop the price, the property then almost becomes market stale. And even if you do drop it to the price it should be on, sometimes it might not sell and you might have to go under. And there's lots of horror stories on that. But I think it's important we do actually look at price reductions uh, because it does show that the estate agents are working their stock. And wow. And that, and that seems high, doesn't it? Well, it does seem high, but when you actually compare it... Um, in terms of the available stock, estate agents are reducing 
7.4% of their properties per month. Yep. So that's why looking at week on week. Now that obviously shows there is, is that stock levels were much high, were slightly higher in 17 and 18 in terms of, uh, and we did show the stock levels last week, but it means that the price reductions were not necessarily an issue in 17, 18 and 19, but they are in 23. So if you're not reducing at least 10% of your stock, I think you need to be looking at your vendor management. Let's move on and look at the average price of the properties that are coming down in price. And that presently sits at an average of £402,000. So basically, and again, the average price, now again, let's just have a quick look. The average price of a property being reduced is three nine four. Whilst the average price of a property coming on the market this year has been 420. So there is a 5% difference, which shows that the that the, the lower price properties have a slightly higher propensity of reduction than the than the than the higher ones. The lower ones have a higher propensity. I mean and that five percent, I didn't know it was that five percent, but interestingly, in our business, we had a rule where you reduce ten percent of your stock by five percent on a weekly basis because if you're going to make a reduction, make it a meaningful one, which is going to uh change the dial slightly and get the property sold. So I think that's fairly positive that agents are seemingly doing meaningful reductions. Good stuff. That's what we like to see. So now we move on and talk about the number of properties sold to bit of contract. This week, 23,897 properties sold to bit of contract. And again, compared to the last two years of 21 and 22, it's obviously going to be lower. But again, very, very comparable to uh, 17, 18 and 19. Thoughts on this? Chris, I've looked at I've looked at this number uh, and I've tried to find a flaw in it. And actually, I can't. If you looked at if you go back to 2017, we listed 32,500 and sold 22,9. We're selling 70 percent. Yeah. 2018 was 69. 2019 was 68. And I think 2023 currently sat 70 percent. We're exactly where we've always been. So again, interestingly, boys and girls, is this, that for every 100 properties that come on the market, estate agents are selling around 70% of them, okay? That does mean 30% do, you know, do withdraw and go and leave the market. Um, interesting stats on that one. Now, that inter- what is particularly interesting is, is that percentage, Richard, does change throughout the country. And we'll have a look yes. at that stat in, in a little while. Let's go back and... Um, and, and and have a look next i do actually have some extra stats on the price of uh, sale agreeds the average price of a sale agreed property was 361000 so let's just 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 refresh our memory here the average asking price of a property coming onto the market 424 the average price of a property sold 361. Chris, and, and, and not for conversation now, but how does that vary? Do we know the average length of time a property takes to sell and what the average instruction price was at that moment in time compared to now? And what I mean by that is if, if an average property is taking 10 weeks to sell, what was the average instruction price 10 weeks ago? And how does that compare? Well, we've we've got stats on how long it takes to sell a property in the last 12 months we 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 haven't got that data for the last three months although we will be getting that data when 
our data provider is able to provide that in a couple of months' time. Um, but in, nationally, in terms of the stats, what I do know is this. If you go back a year, it took on average 22 days to find a buyer. Now it's taking 50 days to find a buyer. Yeah. Okay. But the length of time it takes to do the conveyancing is still 125 days. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely shocking. And what is interesting is this. A lot of people were blaming the uh, the councils for searches. The average length of time it takes to do a survey at the moment is 10 days. It, it's bizarre. Okay. Isn't it? I, I moved last year and uh, without calling any favours in, uh, was in a position to exchange within 22 working days. Here you go. It's whenever a human being touches the conveyancing process, it does all seem to slow up. Yeah. Now, I think the important thing is let's move on and look at um, the the um, accumulative gross sales to date. And again, we're at 251,000, which again is, again, let's remember 2020, we went into lockdown this week and we'd had the Boris bounce. If you recall, at back end of 19, we had, in December, we had a general election. Everyone was hunky-dory. We got Brexit through. <laughs> Very good for me. And we were on a roll, okay? And that's why the 282, you know, that obviously slowed up when we went into lockdown. But when you compare 251 against 17 of 242,000 and in 2018, 257,000 and 19 of 266,000, that's not bad. I know it doesn't allow for floor throughs, which we're going to come and have a look at in a second. No, and I think it I think it very much mirrors, and I think most of the stats we've looked at so far, 2023 year to date is very much mirroring 17 and 18, which this stat does exactly the same, isn't it? It's right in between. Yeah. And I think the magic thing is this, people are going to say, well, in 17 or 18, it wasn't a normal year because we had the hangover of what's going to happen in Brexit. I think the magic thing is this. We never have normal years. No. It is what it is. And I think estate agents worry, you know, they worry about the property market. You can't control the property market, but you can control the way you deal with it. And people still need to move. And, you know, and even if house prices drop, which we don't know they're gonna drop, they are dropping. The stats are there, but they're not plummeting like a rock, you know, like like a stone. Um no, and Chris, do you think if you said to most agents today this year would mirror 2018 exactly, they'd take it? They would rip your hands off, mate. Yeah, they would rip your hands off. Um, nice little graph here shows you the gross sales year to date compared to 17, 18 and 19. Yeah. Again, we just think it's the new normal. I think what we're all guilty of as, as humans is allowing the accept the exceptional become the expected. Yes. And you would be concerned that a lot of agents, I think we'd all be guilty of it, would be looking at last year 21 as he expected and they can't they need to look back further to 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 stop that exceptional becoming the expected why do you think estate agents aren't very good at looking both at the big picture because we're all very good at being next to the coalface and then we do take a big picture we you know we think long term is looking comparing ourselves to last year i i've never been to an estate agent that says my market share five years ago was x or my numbers were X? No, I think the personality traits we go in as estate agents is sales, and therefore we're always glass half full, aren't we? So we're always looking at the positives 
and we always believe we can be better. And, and as a consequence, we are giving ourselves an uphill challenge. Yeah, because most of it's up here, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Right, let's get back. Now, what we then do is we then look at the number of properties of what we call a sale fall through, okay? So for explanation purposes, this is the way it works, is if we sell 10 houses in a week, that means, and again, I know you know this, Richard, but I have to explain it to some people. Some people might not be a stage that's watching this. If we have, a pro if we have an area, uh, sorry, if we sell 10 houses in a week, that's 10 gross sales, okay? We will separately will have a sales pipeline and the sales pipeline will probably have 100 to 120 properties in it. And those are the properties which are presently sold subject to contract going through the motions of trying to get it through to exchange of contracts and completion. At any time between the sale being agreed, the offer and the sale being agreed and the exchange of contracts, that one of the property, the sale could fall through. So therefore in a week, let's say, two of those 120 fall through, that, those are two sale fall throughs. So therefore, for the purposes of this uh, TV program, if we have 10 gross sales and two of our whatever number in the sales pipeline fall through, that's two sale fall throughs. Therefore, that's what we call eight net sales, okay? It's a bit crude, it's a bit rough and ready, but it don't get any, doesn't get much better than that. Okay, so therefore, what we need to do is look at the number of sale fall throughs, and then we can look at the number of, of net sales. So let's have a look at the number of uh, sale fall throughs. Okay, and again, quite low compared to. I mean, again, this is the shocking thing is again we would have had we had this, uh, that was quite a high figure in twenty twenty because we were just going into lockdown. And again, that what surprises an awful lot of people is is that there were a lot more sale fall throughs in the good years. Yeah, I think what I think what's clear in that point you made about yes, we don't know when the sales have fallen through, but what you've demonstrated is the sale agreed numbers have been fairly consistent throughout the year, which is your pipeline. So actually, if you're putting ten in every month on month three, if two fall out, actually it's fairly consistent. So it's a twenty percent fall through rate, and what we're absolutely seeing is a twenty percent fall through rate, which I've been doing it. 25 years and that was always our number you know it was a bit of a back of a cigarette packet but it was 20 percent fall through rate well interestingly if you look at this graph here and again 2020 is considerably high because that's the year that was the week 2012 was when we went into lockdown was this is that the the seven year average not just the week 12 but for all the every week in those seven years an industry average of 24.28 percent okay so again, 23 isn't that bad. Now, interestingly, you know, the average fall through rate for the, the whole of 2023 has been 25.25. The average for quarter four, 22, which was the fabled quarter after the yeah. up of the budget, 38.7. The overall average for 22 is 27.5. So sale fall-throughs are reasonably low. Sales are doing well. I mean, let's just have a quick look. These are your net sales. So that's your net, uh, gross sales, less net, less fall-throughs, and we're on exactly 19,000 this week. But I think this is the important graph. Year-to-date net sales. Yep. 
And I think if we go, sorry, Chris, if we go back to that, if we go back to that ball throughs, you know, we've had a fairly turbulent Q1 oh. so far with mortgage rates going up and, and lots of unknowns, you know, in the wider economy. So actually to be sat where we're sat is a little bit surprising. I thought it would have been maybe slightly higher because I think people would react to mortgage rates going up. Um, but it but it seems fairly comfortable where it's at. That a lot, as I said, that a lot of that happened in Q4 last year, and that that follows through. The, and again, let's just look at this graph here: the fall through rates. So this so this quarter, so this week, twenty point four. This year, twenty five point two five. The long term av- the long term average, as I said, as it says there. Is twenty four? What is it? Hold on, two seconds. Oh, there you go. Is hold on. There, long term average twenty four point two eight. Yep. So this year we've we've been one percentage point, which is nothing, over the long term seven year average, and we got the hit in Q four because it was thirty eight point seven. Are you ready to move on to the accumulative net sales? Yep. Now this is this is interesting. Is this so taking the. The 192 is 93.6% of 17, 18, and 19. What is fascinating is this, is we are presently 93.6% of the average of 17, 18, or 19. And that's because we had a slow start. Yep. Okay. The first week to 10 days, nothing really happened in the UK property market. But, I mean, if you go back, We've been doing that stat now for the last three or four weeks. Last week, that was 93.2. A couple of weeks ago, that was late 80s. So what we're doing is we are starting to catch up with the 17, 18, 19 average. And and Chris, do you think the fact that, and and none of us have got a crystal ball, but my belief is we are seeing a higher value of property come to the market, and we've discussed the reasons why. As a consequence of that, often the buyer won't be in a position to move. And agents should be and will be keen to be building chains. So those five-bedroom, four-bedroom detached houses they're now taking to the market, the likelihood is the buyers will not be in a position to proceed. They'll have a house to sell. And as a consequence of that, the properties are probably going to take slightly longer before they list it as sold subject to contract. Very much so. Um, I also think on that stat, Chris, I think lots of agents are running the pipelines with a nervousness around mortgages and down valuations that are actually running B pipelines and not marking it as sub subjects contract until survey or mortgage offer. It's interesting. I I, I don't want, um, it would be very naughty for me to show the national stats, but they're quite clearly sees uh, that. And how can we say, you know, there are agents that are more synonymous with more, how can I say, using a Grantham technical term, posher houses yep or the more middle to upper market we're not you know we're not going the ultra posh a lot of people just are, are hanging back uh, and there's one corporate that, that also seems to be holding back where their their length of time between say between on the market and say the greed is like massively more than everyone else's but their yep. but their but their say the greed to exchange figure is quite small uh Chris, can I ask you a question on this? Yeah. I'm being slightly naughty about this. So is it a good agency practice? So ultimately, as an agent, you want the most possible inquiries because a proportion of those inquiries are going to have house to sell. Yes. But if you list a property day one and you sell it on day two, 
have you shortened your or have you reduced your opportunity to receive inquiries from potential vendors? Yes, you have, especially if you've got one that is the gold property that everyone wants. And therefore, I don't necessarily see it as bad practice. There's a fine line, isn't there? There is a fine line. And you could almost say that is it your agent's responsibility? Now, again, this is my personal opinion, boys and girls. And and you might not agree with my opinion, but it's my opinion and your opinion is just as valid as mine. But you have a responsibility to that vendor to take the names and addresses of anyone that is of interest. And if those people have a house to sell, then that's then that's your next responsibility to take that down. And if you're a good damn good agent, you'll put those people into the system to keep an eye on that one in case the sale falls through. I think you have to tell people that they are under offer and they're not receiving viewings. Agreed. Okay. But then there are some estate agents out there that will keep the property on the market until after it's even exchanged and completed. Now, that's a line which I think is a line that's crossed too far. I think as long as you're telling people it's under offer and they are receiving up viewings or they're not receiving viewings. I mean, when I was an estate agent, you actually had to write to the the the, the homeowner and, and ascertain, did you want viewings to continue yeah. or not? And I think as long as you're being upfront with everyone, there is no harm in keeping it on the market. Okay, the choice is entirely yours, but there comes a line where you're taking the piss. Agree. Okay, uh, and I don't think it's a right or it is that there is two extremes of right or wrong. There's a bit of grey in the middle in the area. What I would say to you is this: is that most valuers are absolutely crap actually going through their database and building relationships to get them the next time, because all they want is the listing, 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 listing. And I just think if that's probably there, there's so much gold, there's so much data in your database. If you can be asked to look at it and nurture relationships and don't get the high of getting houses on the market all the time. Your job is to sell the bloody house and get it moved, not to get a tick on the box and a pat on the back because you've hit your targets. Sorry, and, you, and you come at it from two angles, don't you? You come at it from what's important to the vendor, but also from a commercial decision as an agency. So the very best agents are having conversations with homeowners which say, if I'm going to get you a best possible price and you've said to me you're in no rush, I know a person who's going to pay for this, pay the most money for this house is the emotional buyer. And that's a person who walks past your house every day on a school run and, and, and. Not the person who's comparing you with other properties on the market. And therefore, let me go out to everybody who's going to buy your house who isn't on the market. And that takes time. Hang on. So you should see the screen now with the national stats. Is that is it showing on the screen? Yep. Good stuff. So again, boys and girls, if you're watching this uh, on the YouTube, you'll be able to have a look. And we are presently on week 12 here, which you can see. Green is good. Red is bad. Okay, and you can quite clearly see that on the national stats, which we've done the graphs on, the graphs are based on these, is that we have been steadily getting better. Interestingly, the um, the number of salt, the gross sales, which is twenty three eight nine seven, best week of sales for, for gross sales since September twenty two. The interesting thing is this: look at this. Last week was the best week before September, and the week before was the best week. Notice that the sales have been slightly getting better each week. I'm getting bored of putting a comment on LinkedIn saying best week for sales. Also, look at the number of house sales that have fallen through, 4,897. We've done this on the graph, but I think it's so important you look at it on the spreadsheet and compare and contrast, okay? And again, gross sales to listings, 70.4. Again, look at the sort of numbers that we were achieving at the start of the year. Uh, where we were getting somewhere in the order of 63. And again, we'll, let's just get a quick look 
at 2022 and you can see that here we go is look look let's look at the numbers here so it's number line 11 is that gross sales of lettings 74 73 and then you know but then it's the big one that the big one that kills me is the sales that fell through figure 40 38 remember we are, we are dealing with early 20 not 20 21 so these are these are good times but but don't get ahead of yourselves boys and girls in estate agency land you still need to be realistically pricing let's move on and look at the regional stats okay and we're going to start off with the east midlands east anglia and um we'll, we'll go on to inner london in a second um screens all the way here mate isn't it? it's really it looks really positive doesn't it it's yeah. so we've got a we've got a pink have we in a east midlands falling through but again but the numbers marginal are early, isn't it it's nothing nothing scary is it no not at all again sales falling through is a bad sign it's an alarm bell that people are falling out with the property and again there's an early warning sign so the early warning signs are the first one sales falling through the next one is properties selling. The other one is if people are dumping their houses on the market because they can't afford them or whatever reason they are, listings will go through the roof. So we need to be keeping an eye on that, okay? Um, let's move on and look. Again, East, East of England, very similar. Now, that 9.04% is impressive, isn't it? It would help you sleep at night. Now, one thing, one that I've been talking about in the show recently is, is, is I've been worried about inner London and the price differential between the houses that are coming on the market and what's actually selling. The average price of a property selling it. Now, look at this jump here. Is look, it's gone from seven hundred and eighty-eight thousand to eight hundred and forty-one. That is a massive jump, which means that the the percentage difference between listing price and sale price, which was, if you look at this, you know, it uh, it was in the order of twenty-eight percent. For the last few months, last two months has dropped. Now that, this could be this could be a flash in the pan, but it looks like there seems to be a little bit more normality returning to the London market in terms of what's coming on the market and what is selling. I'll just keep going until you stop. Let's look at the northeast and northwest again. Looks like north northeast have um had a particularly bad. Although to be honest with you, mate, I think I've got the numbers the wrong way around on that one. Oh, do you know? Keep talking. Once you, you just keep talking, mate, because I've got the number, I've cocked up the bloody, the thing, the uh, the formatting there. Do me a favour, just fill in while I just do this, mate. No problems. So in the in the London market, we've seen it. We've seen it seemingly repaired slightly. Is that just a delay in how long these sort of prime super prime properties take to sell? Because that's my gut. That's my gut feeling. A lot of the money's coming from overseas. Um, so they're playing on the exchange rate. But I also believe that if you looked at, you know, week uh, seven, week eight, we're just seeing the, the natural churn. Oh, lovely. Right, we've sorted that one out. Thanks for the fill there, mate. Top note. Um, again, Northwest, all the greens all the way. Um, the fall through the um Outer London seems to be doing okay. And again, um, the fall through rates, I might have just got the numbers wrong out on the conditional formatting, but we'll get that sorted out for next week. Don't you worry. Scotland, Scotland always does well. Southeast, Greens. Can I make a point on Scotland? Yeah, go for it. Um, so actually, if you looked at, if you scroll up and if you looked at row uh, 152, 
Yeah. And I don't know an awful lot about the Scottish market. What I do know is their process from listing to sale agreed to exchange is very different from ours. Yes. There are lots of conversations in our industry at the moment um, around changing the process and improving that speed of transaction. There's probably some lessons we could learn from the Scottish market here because their numbers are very small, aren't they? Under 10% or 10% so. roughly. Very much so. Um, and you know, I do know, obviously, that they're looking at the process and we've got the home buying and selling yeah. group, which are adding. I think they're not going to change the law of no. buying and selling, but what they are going to do is, is use technology. And again, there's a lot of people out there that are doing some lot of work in the backgrounds, which are, you know, which are, which are, hopefully they'll get the bloody fingers out, should should make a difference to home buyers, home selling, and also estate agents, because we all know the longer the property remains on sort of the contract, the greater the chance it will fall through. Southeast is all greens. Southwest is all greens. Wales, look at that. Brilliant. West Midlands greens. Yorkshire and Humber. Yeah, okay. You know, they're all right. You know, it's all, you know, not brilliant on the minor fall throughs, but again, not massive stuff here. You know, still 20% fall through. So again, look at your numbers. You know, it's not bad, kids. It's not bad at all. Still means that you've got to put your house, you've got to do your homework you've got to price it right don't have it hanging on the market any final thoughts on those figures before we go and look at our chosen city today mate i think generally i think i think they're all i think they're all very positive um i think we need to be careful how we present them to our clients um and we need to i think a an educational conversation which goes a little bit on gut, a little bit on emotion, but fundamentally is underpinned by stats, puts anybody in a good starting block, doesn't it? Why do you think estate agents aren't very good at using stats when in reality, if you think about it, that's what estate agents should be using to prove their worth and, and knowledge of, of, a, of a property market? I think that, so if I looked at my career, when I started in 1996, you didn't have right moves. So I don't think the stats were were readily available. You so obviously you start went... as a child, Richard, because you're a good-looking lad. <laughs> no, and unless you put colouring in your hair, you're doing well, mate. <laughs> um, and then I think what happens is, if I looked at my career, the people who taught me when I went in as the office junior didn't grow up with their stats available. And as such, it's become an educational piece. And we have just gone, we've gone with our gut feel. And I think, um, you know, let, let's look at, you know, the, the kingpins of the state agency, in my humble opinion, of one that I put on a pedestal, is the likes of Knight, Frank and Savills. And you can use date, they use date, you know, they don't have a big marketing department, they have a research department that writes the stuff about the local property market. So what you should be doing, boys and girls, is using data sources like Data Loft, Bricks and Logic. Um, you've got Home Search as well creating great content which you can prove that you are the guru of property. And there's nothing better than actually using statistics to back up your argument. Because whilst Joe Blow estate agents are giving it, this is what I feel, you can say, here, here is the stats. Shall we move on and talk about our chosen city this week? Yes. Where are we going? We are going to the superb city of Ipswich. Oh, wonderful. Tell you what, uh, have you ever been? I was just about to ask you the same question. Uh, I've driven through Ipswich. 
Indeed, indeed. It's a, it's a, it's it's a nice, it's a nice city. Got a lot of time for it. So, boys and girls, we are using the Twenty EA Insights platform. All the data so far has mainly been provided by the platform, um, and this platform is available to all estate agents if you cross their palm with silver. And you can get all this data that you can compare and you contrast. This is Right Move Plus with steroids with rockets attached. I must stress to you that 20 EA have not paid me one penny to recommend them. So you please don't mention my name, but you can ask for their 20 EA Insight platform and you will get this data enabling you to find out your information on your local property market. But again, I must stress, like all things I do, I've not been paid to do this, but I'm a fanboy. Right, should we crack on then? Here we go. Two more riders, two more riders. So we are looking now at the stock on the market. And I think what we could probably do is here is this. Remember, the, the, the greeny color is 21. The dark color is 22. And the red color is 23. And this is residential sales. And what immediately surprised me is that is that the, the fall in stock levels between January in, this is IP 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, so... Um, city centre, I presume. City centres, IP1 to IP4. And then we've got IP5, which is Kesgrave, which is kind of like a posh mini town, which has kind of touched, which kind of been uh, enveloped into Ipswich and people consider it as Ipswich. But it's like the posh bit. It's a bit, it's a bit like Great Dunmo, uh, sorry, uh, Bishop Stortford and um, Sawbridgeworth. Okay, yeah, a bit like that. Okay, they kind of touch, they kind of don't, but they, everyone puts them as one, even though they are legally two separate entities. So we can quite clearly see that in 2023, the stock levels have been going up from 1,100, 1,200, and 1,260. Um, should we have a, just have a quick look at how their stock levels are moving to, down to, to agents? So. William H. Brown, who are a corporate estate agent, and this is their stock level as, as each month goes by. Okay, William H. Brown are part of the Connell Sequence Group. Um, okay, well, that's the alarm going off. So, Palmer and Palmers, again, up and down, just shout up. They are independent. Fen Wright, nice and steady. Foxhalls, they're all, oh, there you go, they're on the move. Uh, and yeah, that's a, that's a positive one for them, isn't it? That's a, that's a fairly big jump. And again, just have a look here is this. This is their average since the first of this number here is the average since the first of January 21. So which would be around here. So again, working quite nicely on that one. Um heart. Okay. Let's move heart. Heart. Okay. Okay. But again, let's look at look at the numbers. There's a bit of you know, we can all put different scales on the side. I'm as guilty as that to make to exaggerate the point. There's Austin Berryman. Oh, they seem to be doing quite well. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mark Mark Mann, is that right? Again, looks like they had a good start and then been been bubbling around four or five percent. So again, again, this might only be of interest to people in um Ipswich, but again, you know we like to have a look. Let's now move on. That, just that January number is always an interesting one, isn't it? On what tax agents take. Do they go for that bank holidays, your busiest day of the year, and list everything before Christmas, or are they waiting for just after? And I think a lot of agents relist all of their properties in January to get a bounce. Oof. Watch your mouth out with your mouth. Okay. Right. Okay. Um 
let's so that so that we've done stock levels let's just have a quick look so now we're looking at new instructions okay and the average price of a property that's come on the market in Ipswich in the last two and a bit years has been 283,000 there's been 8,373 properties let's have a quick look at the average value just so we can see which agent seems to work well William H Brown at 262 so which means that they're obviously going slightly, to be below. slightly below Palmer's so we'll look at Palmer's they're either dead on Chris or it's frozen looks like it's frozen doesn't it We'll have to get that one sorted out, okay? Don't worry, we can move on and look at another screen. Now, this is a particularly important screen of my uh, that I particularly like, and this is um, a, a screen which has almost got too much data on it, but it's a fantastic source which shows you what's happening to to what the agent is doing in terms of what they're putting on the market and also what they are selling um and exchanging um and, and this is the this is the magic this is the, this is the real magic i don't know if you use this particular screen or not but william h brown for every so they've in the last 12 months they have in, in they've been instructed on 353 properties and in the last 12 months they have exchanged on 237 okay if you do 237 divided by 353, it gives you an exchange ratio of 61.72%. Yeah. And we didn't see a huge jump in instructions. It was consistent. So it's not an immature pipeline we're measuring either, is it? No. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have a quick look at um, this information in in a, in a format which I think is a lot more user friendly. Okay, so let's just this is the graph. You should be able to see. Oh, oh no, hold on. There we go. Just two seconds. Here we go. Should be able to see that now. Yeah, can you see that? Yeah. Going a bit closer. There we go. So. From left to right is the number of, it, with the order of this is the number of properties that they have put onto the market. So William H. Brown has put the most properties on the market, then right, the second, Palmer and Partners, and so on and so forth. Okay. Yeah. The just for information, the the bluey color is they are, I believe, are corporate estate agents, and the red is independents. Okay. Yeah. So for every 100 houses that William H. Brown have put onto the market in the last 12 months, they have exchanged on the equivalent of 61.7. Whilst Fen Wright, 72.5. Palmer and Partners, 72.6. Foxhall, 77. Hart at 64. Um, Allswick Berry, 74. You can see, um, and then look at that, you, you know, your Ipswich. 86 keystone 85 now again the further you go off to the right the lower the number of listings so therefore the greater the propensity that the, the lower numbers the yeah. numbers could be a little bit more skewed but Absolutely. still there is a huge difference here between but again well what's your thoughts on this i think like you say on that you know if I if I'm listing ten properties, the chances are I'm giving everyone a a really good service, 
and therefore the uh, exchange ratio should be higher. But if you're comparing certainly that first 10 on this chart, it's really interesting to see how many of those are independents. Yes. Um, and, and what and what we believe the driver is. So, so what do we know? Well, actually, most of these agents will be ABC in their stock, isn't it? So is it a question of experience within? So if you looked at Fen Wright compared to William H. Brown, I don't know anybody in those businesses. My presumption is William Brown will have a branch manager and will have some negotiators who have probably got two to three years of service. Yeah. Then Wright, I believe, will be an experienced team in their office because I know some of their offices. And therefore, is it that experience of finding the motivated sellers, pricing correctly, finding who's motivated, then re revisiting the price to get them through to exchange? You know, again, if I was Foxhalls and comparing myself against William H. Brown, and William H. Brown are a very good estate agency brand, yeah. then the, the the proportional difference, and I must stress the proportional difference, is 26.25%, which means that if Vauxhalls were up against William H. Brown or Hart, they could turn around and say, Mrs. Miggins, who lives in Kesgrave, you're, you will have a 26.25% greater chance of selling your house with me compared to those other agents. How many of them do you think have that conversation? I bet most people don't even see that. They, um, I know lots of people have this this data, just so you're aware, boys and girls. It's from the 20 EA platform from the Omni Competitive Landscape page. You can have this information yourself, and it's in this column here. And then what you then do is you have to take that data and then verbalize it in such a way where you're not breaking any laws or breaking any ASA rules, which basically say these are the stats which prove that you have a greater propensity to get your house sold with me compared to others. That's not as long as you're not you're not slagging them off or deriding them or, or or calling them names. But the fact is the fact is if you believe these stats, which they are an independent source of stats, and all the big boys of UK state agency have this platform, well, they wouldn't be spending the sort of money that they're spending on the national packages if they didn't believe on it, would they? I completely agree. And I think I think it comes down to processing people. So again, what is particularly interesting is this is again, let's just come back to the um to the um the graph. Hold on, there we go. Isn't it interesting that the the top 10 agents seem to be hovering around these this late 60s mark, whilst those who are in the 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 the, 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 the 11 to 20 range have a higher propensity to sell. You know, because because they're able to give a more a personal service, aren't they? I, I they, imagine if you looked at a self-employed model, albeit the numbers would be very low, I imagine their figures are very, very impressive because they are delivering a personal service. And, and that's why it's really important, boys and girls, in the state agency land, that you use data like this, that if you don't, you, you need something to prove that you're different to the competition. And just saying that you put up a sailboard up and you go on right move and you take photographs and things like that is not. But if you can have independent data which proves this information, then you are going to have a, a better way of getting your property, a greater chance of putting your house on the market. So, I mean, if you are a valuer or, you know, 
and you want this sort of data, then why don't you speak with your boss? As I said, I'm not on any commission at all, but have a chat and see this insight data. And if you aren't as good as you think you are, then it gives you a chance to up your game. It'd be really, it'd be really interesting to see at, at some stage what proportion of the 13 or 38.3% of William H. Brown in this example's property went on to list with another agent and then sell or actually just withdrew from the market? Because that tells a story within itself, doesn't it? Is your marketing working? Are you attracting the right people? I mean, isn't it particularly interesting? Look at this column here, price changed. With William H. Brown, 53% of the properties they listed. I'm still seeing it change to listings percentage. My apologies. We'll do you a new share. Bring it back. Look, here we are. You should be able to see it now. William H. Brown, 52.9%. So they they uh, instructed on 353 properties in the last 12 months, and they price changed 187 properties. Now, all those 187 are not going to be all those, but the vast majority of them. And if we're comparing apples with apples, it's a good way of comparing it. So over half the properties they put on the market, price change, Fen Wright and, and Palmer and Partners, 36, Foxalls, 30, Hart, 49, corporate. We're not getting at corporates here. We're just seeing that different agencies have different models. Beagles, 29, um, Grayson, you know, look, these are much lower numbers, but isn't it interesting here that they have lower numbers, but their exchange ratios are much higher, which means these agents here in the 11 to 20 area, they're not putting so many houses on the market. They're obviously putting them on at the right price because they don't have to change them so much. And therefore they are exchanging on more of them. Or is that a wrong assumption? No, I think, I think you're... I think you're absolutely right. And I think if you if you if you went back to any agent and said what's the key, well it's price it correctly, get it to a relevant audience and progress it very quickly and give it personal attention. Because actually part of the problem could be that if you haven't got an experienced sales progression team or sales progressor, actually is it falling through because you're unable to overcome hurdles in that progression stage? Indeed, indeed. So, so are you putting your best team out there? Um, in terms of price reductions, again, I'd sit on the fence slightly. Um, yeah, we're making assumptions here, aren't we? But we're giving our opinion. And what I'd say, boys and girls, is this: if you don't agree with our opinion, then have the balls to put the put your neck, put your head above the parapet, and put it in the comments. If you don't want to make a comment and you want to ring me, then send me a message through LinkedIn. Let's be honest. You can always get hold of me there and send me a message and tell me how you disagree. I do listen and I have changed my opinions on people telling me that from something that I can't see that you could. Right, let's just go through to the second to last screen. Um, and this talk now, this is a slightly complicated screen, but fundamentally is this this is almost get agent mixed with Valpal. All right, I don't know if you've ever seen this screen, yeah, Richard. No, yeah, yeah, no, I've seen it. Right then, so what the way the way this works is this, and if you have an issue with this as an agent, then you must contact the 20EA team themselves to explain why you disagree with their model. But fundamentally, this is what they do. For every agent, every property that they put on the market, each agent, they 20EA will know the address of the property and will provide what is called an automated valuation model figure for that property, or as I like to call it, a Valpal figure. Obviously, it's... 
It's a bit like a Hoover is a vacuum cleaner. We'll call it a Valpal figure. What they will then do is that they will, so they've got a valuation model on every house that that, that agent has put in the market. So we'll go with Fenright. So they've done 329 automated valuation models on their properties. And then they've seen, right, in the last 12 months, what did they put the property on the market for compared to the value? And in this instance, then right, the difference between the value and the their assumed value in the asking price was 2.17%, okay? Which yeah. is fair because the market last year was going quite well. We're talking the last 12 months. Now that number will decrease as the time goes on, but we're at 2.17 now. Then when the property actually sold, how much did the property actually sell for the original asking price versus what it actually sold for. And in this instance here, this particular agent, Fen Wright, achieved a reduction of 0.95% on whatever they sold, which is fair because people chivied away at them. Yeah. yeah. With me so far. Yeah. Now, there are different agents in here with different property prices. So what they do is they work out the average percentage on uh overvalue of what they how they put it on the market and then what they achieve from it now to create a level playing field they take that percentage and apply it to a standard property which in this instance is 300 grand so if you take all those percentages and applied it to an app switch house which is 300 grand again i will make no apologies this is complicated okay but this is the difference boys and girls fuck's sake in the state agency land use data to your advantage so you can get it out of, at the appointment and say this is Look, you've got an agent here that's charging 0.75%. Here's the proof that they are going to get you 10 grand less. And here's independent data which shows I'm going to get you 10 grand more. So the question is this. You're either going to save yourself £1,000 on fees, or you're go- and but you're going to lose £10,000 in the value of your home. Is it really worth saving 1000 Is it really worth saving 1000 to get 10000 less? Well, so with me, it costs you 1000 more, but you're going to get £9,000 more net. This is this is data that get, helps you out. I'm sorry, I'm getting on my on my high horse on my soapbox, but it's important. Right, they apply it to a 300 grand house, and this graph here, this line here, average property would sell for, is what would each agent have sold that house for that standard 300 grand house? Look at the differences between those figures. In fact, what I've done here, I've put that into a sexy Watkin graph. Let's go and have a look. Here we go. Not on my oh, screen. Not yet. on your screen. Hold on. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. That is quite consistent. We have seen some quite anomalies around here, but there is a difference here. Look, if now this is this is really weird. Is this is in the top ten? Two of the best agents are corporates. Last week we did Oxford, and they were the lowest. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, don't, I think it depends on tax. I think it depends on 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 the team. I also think it depends in which part of the market you trade in. So yeah, uh, there it goes. So that we'll call it your word, Val Pals. If I'm trading and I accept that this is mostly central Ipswich, if I'm trading in an area which is full of two bedroom Victorian terraces, there's going to be a high volume, and therefore the accuracy of the Val Pal tools will be extremely accurate. Yeah. If I am uh, a 
I don't know if there's anybody on there, but if I am a Savills or a Knight Frank, Peg. I'm go- I'm going to be selling less of the accuracy. Might accuracy Peg might goes. be. Hence why, we hence why we haven't yeah. gone to the villages. No, exactly. Okay, your, your wood bridges and all the, the gorgeousness is up there, and Old Broom yeah. around there. We stick to pure chimney pots, IP one to IP five. Which you know, Kesgrave is full of nineteen seventies semi detached houses, wimpy semis, and the rest of the is Ipswich is just a normal East Anglian market city. Yeah. So. What is interesting is when we compared it to Oxford last week, it was a bit more. But again, you know, you know, let's look at this here. If if I was Connells and going up against Allswick Berry, I could say I'll get you six grand more. Yes, uh, and I think if you're using this, and I think agents, I think agents sit in two camps on this: am I overvaluing it? Am I not overvaluing it? Ultimately, consumers want the highest possible price. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if I come to you and want to sell my house, Chris, and I say, I'm in absolutely no rush, I want the best possible price, and I know you're telling me it's worth 100 grand, but I want you to try for 110, you then have a decision to make as an agent, don't you? Is it achievable? And then it comes down to process. If that conversation is then an agreed price review point, I don't see any... Error no, I don't. But you know, but don't leave it to a neg who kind of puts it off on week eight. You're going to try it, dial it in, and again, I find it fascinating that valuers don't do vendor contact, or most of them don't. So, so the best contracts I've seen haven't agreed. So I've seen some contracts which say agreed valuation three hundred grand, vendor's expectation three hundred and ten, agreed marketing price. 315 or what a 310 agreed price review date four weeks and therefore we all know it's hard to go back to that vendor saying oh we've gone high actually if that conversation is chris when i came out to visit you i said i thought 300 was a mark you wanted to try 315 we agreed that we'd try it for 315 and review it after four weeks we're now on four weeks i don't think that needs to be an awkward conversation because you've already planted the seed and again, I think valuers, you they are choosing you to put the house on the market. And you can't expect little floss, the 22-year-old neg who's a bit wet behind the ears to make that call. I'm sorry. That's your call. Agree. Because otherwise you're always then chasing the market, aren't you? Because it was 300. It might be 295 now. Yes. And you're negotiating on going on at 305. You'll always chase the market, which is, wow. which is that meaningful price reduction. Indeed, indeed. Um, well, that that's the end of the Ipswich show. I'll tell you what now, let's just have a quick look at lettings, mate. I think we'll just have a quick look. Um, I'll just pull that up because we don't want the letting agents to uh to 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 be feeling left out. So give me a second. Hold on. There we Whilst go. you're doing that, what you, what's your feeling on the lettings market? What are you hearing? Um, feelings on the letting market is this is you know, in the press about 10 days ago, they said every landlord was selling up and, and, and you know, people are attracted to bad news. Landlords have always sold up. But if you actually look at the hard, hard facts from the stamp duty range, it hardly has been hit. We're still waiting for some more up-to-date figures. But the back end of last year, people were still buying. You know, where else are you going to put your money in, you know, there's something beautiful about a, pure, a nine inch brick that you can touch and feel, or you can go and put some money into, you know, wherever, you know. And, 
And Chris, it's easy for us to sit here not doing the doing and make it sound really easy. But do you think half of the problem is down to agents being order takers rather than deal makers? And what I mean by that is when my landlord wants to sell his buy-to-let property, his or her buy-to-let property, do I chuck it on right move and wait for a first-time buyer to come and buy it? Or do I not go to the market and do I have a conversation with a landlord which says, the best possible buyer for you is an investment buyer and let me tell you why. Firstly, They've got to pay market rate. So this isn't somebody going to try and knock your price. Secondly, they're going to have a high deposit. So the risk is lowered against the first-time buyer. Thirdly, it's not an emotional decision. So when next door comes on with a nicer kitchen, they're not going to switch. And lastly, they're going to wait within reason for as long as it takes you to buy. And therefore, can I go to market, off market to my database to sell your property to a landlord, which has a tenant in situ, avoiding removing void periods and again that's what states should be talking to their lettings department talking to the landlords introducing themselves you know i was talking to an, a, a, um, a landlord yesterday he says oh i'm setting up i've had enough and then we and you know he says plenty taxation and i turn around what section 24 he says how did you know because i was it was a, it was at a, a personal uh, nothing to do with the state agency um and he says how do you know about that I says well i'm in the property game and he says yeah i'm i'm selling up because of the of the of the section 20 what well, section 24 and the guy's in his mid to late 60s and actually he's just retired he he manages it all himself and he and reality when the when it push comes to shove is he'd be selling now anyway because he doesn't want the hassle and he's just yeah. blaming the taxation rules. It does also doesn't help that he's also highly geared as well. But I think you as valuers need to be talking to your lettings department and taking a step back, say, who are your 10 biggest landlords? And just ringing them up and just saying, look, I just, you know, use an excuse, go and get a home search report and then drip feed them home search reports on where their house, what their houses are worth. And just give them an idea of what's coming on the market or and, a, and just build a relationship up. So therefore, when they do think of selling, they're immediately going to think of you. Um, and you might be able to come up with a nice big package, you know, selling 10 houses in a lump to another landlord. Yeah, Let's just have a quick look at let it. So again, that's where, you know, so there are always landlords selling. There is always landlords buying your job as letting agents. The problem with landlords is they're very sticky. They don't tend to move letting agents just like people don't move banks. But there are ways and there are people out there that can help you attract landlords from other agents to you. So do go and check them out. OK. Um, OK, here we go. So we're now looking at Ipswich, new instructions. Interestingly, an awful lot of agents didn't put their properties on the market last year when the market was going a bit silly and just put them up to let agreed. But now what is particularly interesting is this. Open rent are normally the biggest agent by a country mile in a, in a town when it comes to the rental market. Yeah. But they're number three here. Leaders, again, I would expect leaders to, to be at the top of the pile because that's that's who they are. And again, the, the, the new instruction, you know, these are going to be pretty standard because you when you get a property on the books, you tend to keep it a long yeah. time. Um, again, there's nothing particularly. And we, we are just, just having a quick look at this just to see. But um, you know as well as I do, when it comes to lettings, is it's all about getting the property on the market and then just keeping them and not being a prat to lose them. I think so. I think your lettings did right. So what have you got to add on this one? I think I think what we all want is that stability of that uh, recurring revenue coming in. So one is it's 
it's stabilizing that revenue by making sure you're not losing landlords and reselling to landlords, but also look at the additional opportunity. So I imagine that the average price from March 2020 to 2023 has increased. And if we can see this on this report, can we? Yeah, we can. So uh, we'll look. This is the, roughly the first six months. Hold on a second. Keep talking. I'm going to have to uh, re. Just keep talking, mate. And I'll just. So I think my point is 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 how do we maintain landlords and do the best job for us? And where I think lots of letting agents are guilty, and as I said before, it's easy to sit here and criticise. We were as guilty as anybody else. Is treating renewals as new instructions. So what I absolutely believe is that lots and lots and lots of agents at the point of renewal will go, hi, Chris, Richard here, just quick one, I spoke to your tenant, they want to stay, I suggest a 25, 50 pound price increase, whatever is relevant. I don't believe there's many agents having a conversation which says, Chris, and treating it as a new valuation, because I believe that price increase would be far higher than the 25, 50 pound people are suggesting. And therefore, your 10, 12, 15%, however you good how good you are at your management fee, if you if you upped every every property by five to ten percent on the annual rent, you've just jumped your income up. So actually the new instructions drop isn't as relevant. So interestingly, if letting agent bosses, should you be targeting your property managers not only on getting the property be let? And let's be honest. A, bl- uh, uh, a blind man on a galloping horse be able to do sort that get that sorted out in this market is do you actually incentivize your colleagues to up the rent not without being silly Chris, right I here think, we go i think the other point on that and i think it is relevant is i think we're guilty as agents lots of people i speak to are is we do the first fixed term and then we move into a rolling periodic tenancy and as a consequence of that we don't have that rent review conversation every year. So lots yeah. of agents will be sat there with tenants who have been in situ for three years who haven't had a rent increase. If you want to increase your revenue as an agent, go and review your rents. Right. You asked me for average rent. So the, for the first first 12 weeks in 2021, the uh, 708 properties came up for rent in Ipswich with an average price of 738 647, which is a, a reduction in the order of around 50, 12 to 15 percent, and the rent is increased to 898, which is near as damn it a 20 percent rise. Scary. So, so scary, but actually, if you want to increase your re- your revenue, there's an answer, isn't it? Because you're probably lots of landlords are charging 20% less and therefore your 10% of your monthly management fee is 20% less than it could be and again that's the opportunity again I know a lot of landlords will say to you well you know I want to keep my tenant they're a good tenant but the simple fact is is that we are in business we're not rat rents we're not trying to screw people the simple fact is if they left they would have to pay that anyway there could be a compromise and that's the point. Can you have a conversation with a tenant where you're educating them as well, which says, Chris, listen, if you move out, have you been onto the portals? Do you know what a rent is? I'm going to send you this report, which says you're worth a thousand pounds now and you're paying 700. Even if you agree at 900 because the landlord's a nice person, you've just got a 200 pounds rent increase, yeah. which impacts your revenue. 
And again, I know boys and girls, there's going to be people watching saying that's not fair, but life is not fair. And at the end of the day, that's just life. And I'm not, I say, don't say that flippantly. And I do say that with compassion because there's an awful lot of people are finding it hard work out there. But the people people who bought the house also have a right to earn a fair rent for their property as well. This isn't an argument that will be internally going on. And I do feel for people who are finding it difficult at the moment. But the purpose of this video is to help letting and estate agents and they have a responsibility to keep roof over their head and keep keeping the lights on. Richard, thank you for your insight today. Uh, it's been really, really good. I would like to invite you back uh, in a month or so time. Uh, you've been really, really insightful. Um, I'd like to say thank you to all the RAND members who you represent. It's a fantastic uh, a, a network of estate agents. Uh, and do check out RAND. Other um, affiliate programs are available. Obviously, I have to say that, but RAND are, are very, very good, especially now they're under the the, the direction of Richard, Kevin, um, um, Simon, and there is someone else, isn't there? There's four of you, isn't there? Ian Stratford. Ian Stratford. My apologies again. You were Sorry, I got camera camera fuzz on that one. So sorry, Ian. He's a good man. He is good, good, especially in good new homes. Any final thoughts before we go? No, I think I think it's very much business as usual. But I think agents just need to be keeping keeping tabs on where they are against where they were and not, like I said, not let any exceptional become be expected. I think Lovely. that's a key message. Thank you for your time today, mate. And more importantly, thank you for watching. Um, if you've got any comments, please put them on the YouTube channel um, in the comments section, um, especially constructive ones, uh, even bad ones. I'm prepared to listen to what you have to say because you could actually be right. Thank you, Richard, for your time today. And we'll see you next week with the next property show. Thank you.